Amen. Woo! God is good. Amen. Man. And he's faithful. And he's faithful to remind Pastor George of the announcement that he missed. Tonight is prophetic night. Woohoo! Come on. Tonight's prophetic night, 6 p.m. Now you've got all the announcements. We're ready to roll. So I'm, I'm honored uh, to be here. I'm, I'm Nathan. This is my amazing, gorgeous, beautiful Nicaraguan princess, Deborah. And we're pinch hitting today for Pastor Mike, but uh, it's an honor to be here. We just want to pray together for him for the very completion of all the healing that God started in him and has completed. So if you would, church, grab hands. We're going to give the devil two black eyes on his behalf today as we pray. Amen? Amen. Go ahead, sweetheart. Dear Heavenly Father, we're here today to honor you and to give you praise and honor. We thank you, Father God, because we're stepping into something that we know is great, is greater than we can imagine. And Father God, we thank you for Pastor Mike and Pastor Mary. We thank you, Father God, for the amazing work that you're doing in their lives. But now as a church, we join together and pray for Pastor Mike. Father, that what you started, you're going to finish it, and it's going to be perfect. It's going to be good because you're good in your faith. So, Father God, we thank you. We honor Pastor Mike and Pastor Mary today, and we tell them that we love them. This family, CFTN family, Lord God, is praying in their behalf, knowing that the Holy Spirit is right there with them where they are at. Thank you, Father God. We love you, and we praise you today. Bless the service and bless everything that we're doing in the mighty, powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Amen. Man, what an honor to be here today. All of our pastors, Pastor Essie, Pastor George, awesome Chrissy, Pastor Matthew, Pastor Candace, Pastor Eddie, Dr. Judy, Sister Ruth, Pastor Alina, Pastor Bonnie, all of our pastoral staff, God bless you. Thanks for leaning in. Amen. Give it up for the pastoral staff. Yeah. And a shout out for our awesome media team. Our awesome teams that work tirelessly, our children's kids nation, all of that. Give it up. Today, it's an honor and a privilege. To those online, too, God bless you. Amen. <laughs> I want to lean in together today into the Word of God. Every time we lean into the Word, we will get something out of it, no matter what it is. God's faithful. He always shows up. When there's a hungry heart, he is sure to fill you. Amen? Amen. God's put a message on my, my heart today called the end game. End game is the title. We're going to step into that together. I'm going to start out with uh, a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter number 1 verse 5. Here's what it says in the New American Standard. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience. And from a sincere faith. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. But you recognize the very goal is love. The end game. We're going to look and see how that is. You know, Pastor Mike uh, has been ministering on the monumental three. Faith, hope, and love. And so you're getting some love today. You're probably going to get a lot more next week as well. So God will end the first half of the year with love. And he'll begin the first half of the year with love, I'm sure. But we're going to buckle into that. So I want to, I want to take us together on a journey through Hebrews chapter number 11, chapter 12, and unpack some things. So let's start. Hebrews chapter number 11, verses 1 and verse 2. Now faith is the very substance 
of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. We've been talking about faith. And faith simply is the word trust. In the Greek, it's pistis. It just means to have a heart persuaded. When the Lord speaks to you, faith arises. And the manifestation of that is hope. Like, oh, I believe what he's going to tell me because God is good. Pastor Mike says, if it's not good yet, it, means it's just, it just means God's not done yet. So he's a minister of faith that hope arises in our heart. Faith is the very substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter number 11 has often been called the very hall of fame of faith. For the giants lifted in there and everything that they've done, which is incredible, stirs our hearts every time we read it. It starts out talking about Abel and, and his works of faith. Enoch, Noah, Abraham. I want to stop on, back up just for a second on Noah. As I was reading through this chapter, you know, sometimes based on the culture, based on things that you're going through, the scripture illuminates itself and, and, and lets you know God knows exactly what's happening. The Bible says this, and it just jumped off the page to me. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, moved with fear, he feared the Lord, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And when he had done that, condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And it's so incredible today, you know, Noah, not recognizing what was happening in his nation, feared God, protected his family. By faith, God is leading us to protect our families. By faith, we do that. You know, when, when we don't receive everything that the world throws, but receive of the kingdom, you look quite different than the world. The Bible says here that Noah condemned the world just by his actions. His intention wasn't to condemn the world, but because he lived by faith, he was walking opposite of the natural realm and everything that was in front of him. Powerful. The Bible goes forth to talk about the faith of Abraham, the faith of his wife, Sarah, and all that they had accomplished and all that was done by trusting God. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, the word gives us a glimpse. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were yet strangers and pilgrims in the earth. You know, the Bible highlights these individuals that walked by faith, that gave their whole life to faith, and said the world is not even worthy of these. God not ashamed to be called their God because they trusted him. The Bible talks about the only way that we know how to please God. When we're, when we're aiming to please him, the only way that happens is through trust, is through faith. It's, it's the very start of the race. It's the intention of God. Hebrews chapter number 11 is, is filled with individuals, with acts, with our icons of faith. But the scripture goes on in, in chapter 39 and 40 and says this. All these having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided or foreseen some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. That's incredible. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. I'm kind of going to nerd out in the scriptures just a little bit and break some words down. But you see the purpose of God, even though these icons of faith walked a life that was incredible that blow us away. God's saying, hey, you're not going to be perfected without them. Who's the them? It's us. Right? God looking from generation to generation at your heart. He sees you. 
And he's saying they can't finish. They're not perfected until Pastor Bonnie comes in, right? Because God has a plan which includes all of us. God's a family man, amen? And he has a purpose and a plan to work out the faith, the, the destiny, the desire that he's put in each and every one of our hearts. All right, Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's dive in. Wherefore, because of everything I've just said, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12.1, I want to take that one scripture and just uh, sit on it for a moment. The scripture says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses around us, that surround us, recognizing that every testimony of faith causes faith to raise up in our hearts as well, right? When we read about Noah, when we read about Abraham, when you read about Sarah, it gives you faith. Like, like, man, that girl was this old and she had faith and got pregnant when the doctor said she couldn't, gives you faith that you can as well. Every, every action of faith is incredible because it stirs up testimony for us. Amen? The Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith. And why is it a good fight? Number one, because you're trusting God. But number two, when you fight the fight of faith, it encourages others around you to get in the same fight. That's why it's a good fight. It's something that it gives encouragement because there's, I, I would say, my sister's doing it, I'm going to do it as well. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God that he is for me and not against me. He's a God of good. He cares for me, right? He hears me. He sees me. Since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every hindrance, right? Every baggage, every burden, everything that's too heavy for us. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. It's light. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Sometimes in our lives, and I'm, I'm the guy that does this a lot, I'll put on me a whole lot more than God ever said to put on me. And I'll think, I got this. There's a problem. I can't get it, right? Just like a lot of us, a lot of fellas, man, you, you maybe commit to doing things that you want to do but wind up hurting you. The word says right here, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves, let us drop every burden and the sin that so easily entangles us. The word entangles right there is, is incredible, and here's why. Though we have this cloud of witnesses around us and encouraging us and giving us examples of faith and a life of faith, both these burdens and the sin can wrap you up so that you can't even see the testimony of others. Blinds your eyes. Doesn't look like it at first, but it happens. So Hebrews 12, verse number one and number two get very, very relevant for us right here, right now. And I love this example. You know, when, 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 when the word says, release, let go of, drop every burden so that you can run this race. It encourages us. Anything that's in your hand, let it go. A lot of times when Pastor George was talking about addictions being broken today, I believe that. Amen? Amen. Things that are entangling us being broken today. Amen? You know, when we drop the things that we have, he's faithful. A lot of times in our lives, when you're going to drop something and you've had it for a while, we recognize that sin 
will grab a hold of you. You thought you had it, but it takes your hand instead. And in some cases, what you had, you let it go, and it's still kind of there. When I talk about the word sin, sin in, in, in this definition means missing the mark. It really means self-origination. Anything that's originated in self. I got this. I can do this. Look at me. Me, 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 right? But when we live by faith and by trust, God wants to walk in relationship to us in everything that we do. Walking and relating, talking and speaking. It's God's end game, his relationship with us. Loving us, receiving his love. And so even in our life, when you let go of things, when we say, Lord, I, I, I rid myself of every burden and every sin, there's courage when you let go. And that thing's hanging there. You can see it. You can feel it. You know, sometimes the, the, the very thing we're letting go tries to testify against us. You didn't let me go, right? Or forgiveness. Ah, you didn't really forgive. Next time you saw that person, all those feelings come right back again. And you think, what happened? Maybe I'm not a good forgiver. No, 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 no. We stand by faith. When you let go, you let go. And you forget about that, saying, I, this thing isn't mine anymore. And we walk and we talk and we love God. And after a while, that thing goes right away. Because God's faithful. Amen? It's who he is. There's a time, boy, um, man, when I, I love to share this because it's real in my life. But I, when I grew up, I grew up in the church. Church wasn't really growing up in me. I grew up here at North Phoenix Baptist just a half mile back and um, working with my dad. I started smoking cigarettes at a young age. I smoked a whole lot, got up to like a pack and a half a day, thought I was nailing it. <laughs> Tried to quit at a young age, 18, couldn't quit. You know, I'm taking the patch as a kid, you know. How do I quit? Stuck on smoking at 18, man. And when my life hit a place where I recognized this isn't working, there's something in me that's trying to get out, and it's having conflict with where I am right now. I came back to God, right? So I grew up, man, my mom had a big, I had a big blue Zondervan study Bible with my name tattooed on the front, so hopefully I'd read it. And it was right next to my bed. But when I, when I broke inside and just said, Lord, I need you, I got back to the Word. I went back to the word that I, that I thought I knew. I just opened up into the book of Mark, and I promise you, in my life right there, the Bible became like, like a pop-up book because I would read it, and the words would stand out to me. And then I'm tripping like, oh, this is relevant to me right now. Like, how does this old word speak to me today? But it does. I started to go on a journey in the word, and it, it, it pulled me right in. My heart would light on fire when I would read. It changed my life. It changed my life to the point two weeks after, I, I, I didn't know that I quit smoking. I just realized, oh, dude, I'm not smoking anymore, you know? I ain't going back either, right? And I haven't been back. But it's just letting go and trusting God. He'll put more things in your hand than you ever thought possible. When we surrender unto him, he's got a race for you to run, right? So it says, now, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, your heart is welling up with faith. Let us let go of every burden, every weight, and the sin that so easily entangles you to try to trip you up. Because God is so real. You're, you're, the life that he's prepared for you is right in front of you. But sometimes it's the very little things. It's the offenses. It's the sin. It's the, it's the anger. It's whatever the hang-up is that just tries to block you out. God removes those barriers. Amen? So he says, let those things go. And I want you to run the race that is set before you. 
And that's incredible. So this is where I, I told you I was going to nerd out a little bit because I like to get into the words. The word says that he wants us to run the race that is set before us with endurance, right? The word endurance, sweetheart, can you give me my phone? My phone, I left it down there again. Uh, the word endurance means steadfastness, patiently waiting for, to under-remain or under-endure, properly remaining under. And I'll, I'll, I'll stop there for a second. What often happens in our life when pressure comes, when, when the weight settles on, it's uncomfortable. You know, every time I read that word endurance or patience, it just reminds me of like a big flatbed trailer. And that flatbed trailer is meant to haul a load, to go from one place to the other. And so if, if we were that flatbed trailer and God has called us to haul a load from L.A. to New York, if you break down halfway in the middle, it never gets to its destination. The intended destination for his word, there is a, there is a place, but you can't quit, Right? Let us run with endurance the race. Now, the word race here, the root of that word race is agon. It's where we get our word agony. That sucks, right? Ah, it doesn't sound good. Run with endurance the agony. That, that, that soul agony is really where it goes down to. Yeah, it's, it's a word for contest. But in us, in reality, in life, there's a soul agony in the race that we're called to run. You got to run it. It's oftentimes that very agony that causes you to get back entangled with things that won't let you finish the race. So he's saying, recognize, there's going to be a load. You've got, you've got to finish this. When we break down, when, when, when God's given us a promise and we don't walk through it, you abort the purpose. When you let go of God's intention, you let go of his victory as well, right? So he's encouraging us. I want you to run the race set before you. What does that mean? That means the race set before you, what's already in your lane. So many times we want to go into somebody else's lane, right? Or say, man, this lane is not for me. But God wants to create a miracle for you right where you are. Every bit of our worship today, every bit of our singing becomes relevant right now. When you recognize the God of the impossible can do it right where you're at. And he's so invested, so in tune with your, with your situation right now that he wants to get involved in that to create a miracle. There's no better testimony than opening your life up right where it is and seeing God move. Nobody can take that away, right? The Bible says he can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond everything that we could ever ask, think, or imagine, but it's according to the power that works in you. Amen? Amen? God's not a genie, right? He's trying to do this thing with you so that you can recognize his strength is in you. His power is in you to complete the race that is started. He hasn't messed up. Every bit of, of race that is before you is God's intention to complete and complete it right. All right. So, amen. That was a little bit of the hard part. Now we're going to go into verse number two, looking unto Jesus. Sweetheart, come here. Looking unto Jesus. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. The blood that Jesus shed for me Way back on Calvary The blood that gives me strength 
from day to day. It will never lose its power, for it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. La sangre que Cristo vertió por mí en la cruz del Calvario la sangre que Jesús día a día te ofrece no ha perdido su poder ella alcanza la montaña más alta y fluye hasta el valle más bajo la sangre que Jesús día a día te ofrece no ha perdido su poder for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose it will never lose it will never lose its power that's beautiful I love you. Praise God. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I have my honey sing one. I love it, you know. But it should, it should do that right in our heart. I just went through a whole lot of agony of our race, right? The intention was just to be real. Because sometimes we get it like, dude, this race ain't nothing nice. But Jesus, right? So when that kind of thing hits, when you recognize, I've got to just focus on Jesus. I've got to simply focus on him. Things change. The anointing of God makes supermen out of regular men, right? When you recognize, I can do something in him. When he's getting involved in me, it's not scary anymore. He changes everything. 
right? He's not embarrassed by you. He's not embarrassed by the mess that you make. He gets right in there, and he loves you. The word says, looking unto Jesus, both the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let me share a couple of words with you. So the author means the originator, the founder, the prince, the leader. Properly, the first in a long procession, the file leader who pioneers the way for many others to follow. He's the pioneer leader, the founding leader, right? That means he's got a lot more to come. That's you and me. He started this thing, but he didn't just start it. He's going to come back and finish it. He's the starter and the finisher. So here, here's the word finisher. It's teleotes in the Greek, and it means completer, finisher properly, a consummator, bringing a process to its finish. Back at the end of Hebrews chapter number 11, he says, all these having died in faith, they aren't complete. It's not the promise wasn't fulfilled in them because God had something else in them to make them perfect. Jesus is the perfecter. He's the end game, right? It's him, it's Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That word is going to tie in here in, in just a moment. 1 Timothy, back to 1 Timothy 1.5. But the very goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from a sincere faith. In the book of 1 Timothy, Paul's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And so his words can be felt also intimately, like this is a dad talking to his boy spiritually, right? And so when Paul's encouraging Timothy, he's saying, look, you're working in the church. All these things are happening, but let me just remind you again of what the main thing is. Let, let me boil it down for you and say the very end of our instruction, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. I've got my little telescope here. I want to I break down a couple of words just to show you what they mean and, and make it relevant. When the scripture says, but the goal, the word goal is telos, right? It's, it's the root of, of Jesus being the perfecter. But here's what the definition means. It means consummation, the end goal purpose, such as closure with all its results, reaching the end aim. This word is well illustrated with the old pirate's telescope, unfolding or extending out one stage at a time to function at full strength, capacity, effectiveness. The aim of our instruction. So the word instruction is a paragalia. It sounds like paraclete, the Holy Spirit, but it's paragalia, which means a command or something uh, announced from a close beside. A fully authorized command is the bottom line to that. The fully authorized command, the end of this thing is love, right? That word love is the word agape. The word agape. Let me, let me give you one definition. The word agape is so filled with emotion and meaning, it's one of the most difficult words to translate. One attempt in translation is this. Agape occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, or appreciates the value of a person, causing the viewer to behold this person in such great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. Such great respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the person he is beholding. He's compelled to love it. In fact, his love is so strong, it's irresistible. When you think of the word agape, the word agape is a self-sacrificing love. It means all you, none of me. Paul is telling Timothy, let me just boil it down for you. The very end game of all of this is love. The end result 
the intention. I'm going to give you a lot of specifics to keep working. You're going to need to walk in faith. You're going to need to manifest hope. But love is the end game every single time because God has a purpose in Jesus, right? Saying every bit of these, every bit of this, these icons of faith, every stage is all important, but the conclusion is his love. The conclusion is that the Lord says, I have, I have looked the Bible says that, that the eyes of the Lord, they search to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for anybody whose heart is perfect toward him. Why? That he can show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to get involved right where you are. Amen? Amen. So how does this play out? The end game. You know, this year, uh, my dad passed away in, in February. My wife's mom passed away here just last month. You know, we've been through a lot. And when my dad passed, I had, you know, just thought about all that we had been through, all that my dad taught me. You know, my dad to me represented love. Why? Because he, he was a dad that lifted me up all of my life. All of my life, I was a kid that could sit right on the front seat. Whatever was his was mine. He brought me into business with him when I was 18 years old, taught me real estate, and, and kind of gave me a trade that's what he had. But he created for me a life that he had never experienced himself. It always echoed God's heart to me, blessed me. When I was 18 years old, smoking all those cigarettes, you know, I, I remember working for my dad and, and realizing, man, there's a, there's a point he'll pass. I just, you know, I know it, but that freaks me out. We've become such good friends. And I love my dad. I love to work with my dad. But in the midst of that, in, in something, I got to share at his funeral twice. I, I got to do two of his funerals. We had one here and one uh, in another state. And the thing that I'm going to share with you is what God shared to me. I was, I was driving, and uh, a song by George Strait came on, and it hit me. But when it hit me, it ministered to my heart. And I got to, I got to share this at, at uh, both funerals that I served him, and it goes like this. The words, of, uh, the words from the great prophet George Strait say this. <laughs> the word says, I, the song says, excuse me, I got sent home from school one day with a shiner on my eye. Fighting was against the rules, and it didn't matter why. When Dad got home, I told that story just like I rehearsed. But then I stood there on those trembling knees and waited for the worst. And he said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. Second part of that song says, when I became a father in the spring of 81... There was no doubt that stubborn boy was just like my father's son. And when I thought my patience had been tested to the end, I took my daddy's secret and I passed it on to him. And I said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. See, daddies don't just love their children. Every now and then, it's a love without end. Amen. Last part of that, that song says, Last night I dreamed I died and stood outside the pearly gates. And suddenly I realized there must be some mistake. If they know half the things that I've done, they'll never let me in. But somewhere from the other side, I heard these words again, right? And this is Jesus. He says, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. When I heard that from George Strait in my little vehicle parked on 37th Avenue, Bethany, I recognized God's in this. 
Like, my dad gave me love, and I got to live in that love between me and my natural dad and have the journey with him in love. We, we went through all kinds of things together, but it was a love journey together that echoes with me the very heart of the Father. The end of my instruction to you, son, daughter, is love. Did you get it? Right? Because that's, that's the transition. That's, that's the thing that was never available to all of these giants in Hebrews chapter number 11. They're now looking at you, saying, look at that giant of love. They took everything that I did, and now they walked in agape love to others. That love agape wasn't available back then. Brand new, hot off the shelf, right? Came to us. And the Lord walks back with you through it and says, I want to work with this. I want to perfect the faith that I started in you. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Man, I got to land the plane. All right, worship team, ready for you whenever you're ready. If you could come back up. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse 1 and 2, and I won't read the whole thing, but, it, but the Lord is just saying, remember, remember all the way that I led you, right? Because if he's the perfecter of your faith, then your faith is very important, amen? But he walks back with you and says, remember every step that I have led you all these years to, to see what's in your heart so that you can see what's in your heart and walk this thing out. God is faithful, you know, back in, in 2011, my wife and I were ordained right on this stage, right? And in that same season, I was going through, we were going through a foreclosure, repossession. We had, we had worshipped through a miscarriage. I owed the IRS $95,000. They locked me down worse than the mafia. I was about to lose my house. Real estate was in the tank. And at that time, I'm driving my car without air conditioning. Showing a guy houses, man, in North Phoenix. And I wound up selling a guy the wrong house. Literally, the wrong house, right? So we, when we were looking back in the day, bank properties were all over the place due to all the foreclosures. And we looked at one, and I thought, that's the one we were buying. So my client was going through a really, really tough time in, in his life. And I was going through a tough time, too. And to make just the little bit of money that I was going to make on that house was not going to help me much. So I didn't put a whole lot of effort in, which I should have, and I learned later. The agent, after we closed the house, said, hey, I'm going to put a key under the rock. Just go get the key and give it to your client after we closed. So I drive up to this house, and I'm like, there's a dude watering my client's tree. He's out there watering the tree, and I don't see a rock by the door. And I start to sweat, and I realize, that's the house that I thought he bought. That's not the address, right? And I'm realizing, oh, I'm in a lot of hurt. And I started to creep down the neighborhood of Tierra Buena. Woo, doo, doo, six houses down, and I realized that's the ugly house. That's the one he owns. There's the rock. I'm in trouble, you know. I go over to that rock, pick it up. Sure enough, there's the key that I didn't want. And I walked into the house, and it was all kind of ugly. Locked the door, went to my car. I'm thinking, man, we're in a very, very bad spot anyway. I'm about to get sued or lose my job. And I felt like I heard the Lord laughing. Right? And that's what I thought. I'm like, that's not funny. You, you, that's not funny at all because I'm going to die. You know, we, we got a brand new baby. And I don't know what's happening. And around that time, Pastor Mike was preaching. He was talking about the strategy, that God is a strategist. I'm like a master chess player. He can see 10 moves ahead. And that came to my heart. And I chose to hold on to that one. Not that he was laughing at me. Right? And I said, Lord, you, you must see something coming that I don't see. I'm terrified, petrified, but I trust you. 
and I cry out to you, I need your help right now. In the midst of that, I went to pick up my, my client. He went to the bar giantly early in the morning. I picked him up right from the bar, brought him back to the house and says, Pat, I got a problem, man. You own this house, but it's not the house you thought. He walked in and he, he cried. <laughs> I got him back in my vehicle, we started to leave and he says, Nate, I, I don't know what to do. Do I sue you? I, he was all upset and I'm like, I don't want you to sue me, you know, like, I, I don't know, you know. But I'm like, I don't know. I, I cried out to God. In the, in the midst of that season, just a, a little sidetrack, God was showing me some scripture in the Old Testament where Moses, Moses not being a professional pastor, but he was leading the people the best he knew how. They were thirsty. They came upon some water. The people drank the water, and it was incredibly bitter. They spit it out, then they cursed Moses. And Moses is like, well, I don't know what to do. Lord, help, right? That's how I felt. And the Bible says that the Lord illuminated a branch to him. He threw it into the water, and that water became sweet, and the people drank. And what God was showing me out of that was their hearts were bitter before they ever drank that water. I am the Lord God that heals you, right? So he's, he's using a natural example just to show who he is. And my heart was messed up. I didn't know it. I told this story in the last service, and I forgot to end it. <laughs> but the way that that ended... God helped me tremendously through some people in the church. We wound up fixing that house up, selling it, made Pat some money. He bought another house. He put me in his will to be his real estate agent when he passes away, right? <laughs> changed my heart, changed my life, and an incredible story. But the, the thing was, a few years later, we had to go through uh, living in a, in a rental home for a while. God provided for us a home, a four-bedroom, and just a block away is Sweetwater. You know, every time I look at that road, I think, Lord, thank you for providing Remember all the way that he leads you. You know, Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I believe God for breakthrough, but sometimes God's the God just to the walk through. Just to walk through. Because I, I would eject out of this situation if I possibly could. But sometimes you're going to have to walk hand in hand with him through the very most painful thing you've ever experienced. That he can show you who he is. And then also show you who you are. The end of this whole message, the end of his purpose is his love being birthed into us. That when you're squeezed, what comes out? Can you trust in him each and every step of the way? That he who began a good work in you, he'll complete it. Amen? Amen. I better, I better stop for now. Yeah. God bless you. You can stand up if you would. Stand up. We're going to wrap up the service. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Altar team, if you're here, which I know you are, if you come down to the front. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. That your word always has first place in our heart. That even in the midst of our race today, in the midst of every pain, in the midst of everything that looks opposite, you are champion. You're first and foremost. Your word makes a way in us every single time. And we trust you. We glorify you. 
and we praise you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. So we're getting ready to worship. If you don't know Jesus, that's the first step. Because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's not intimidated by anything that you're going through or into. He'll perfect the race that he started. I invite you to come to the front, pray with our altar team. Change your life forever. If you're struggling with anything, come on down and let us pray. Worship. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part. I hope that you got something today. It's been an honor. Bless you. If you need to pray, come on down. Otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday. Bless you and thank you.